Hello, everyone, and welcome into CrushTheStreet.com. I'm Kenneth Amaduri, and we're joined today with Chris Coney of Cryptoverse, Cryptoversity.com. We're going to be talking about finance and money and economics and, and Bitcoin, Ethereum, and just what's going on. I mean, we have Bitcoin over $60,000, Ethereum $4,500, pretty exciting stuff that I think we were all like, hopeful for. You know, my pie in the sky target, you know, years ago for Bitcoin was 50,000. So now I'm like looking around wondering, you know, wh where are we going from here? Uh, I do think there's a lot of upside, but I, I got to tell you, Chris, uh, first of all, thanks so much for coming on the show with me today. People check out uh, Chris's website, cryptoversity.com. We'll have the links in the description area. Chris, thank you uh, for coming on the show. Well, thanks very, very much for the invite back again. I was looking forward to it. Well, let's talk about this. Um, you know, many of us thought, you know, this was possible, right? $63,000 Bitcoin, you know, $4,500 Ethereum and plus mm -hmm. and beyond, you know, especially with what's going on. But it's almost becoming too trendy for me in a way. And maybe you can kind of talk some sense into me a little bit. But I'm watching the World Series and I see, you know, crypto.com on the umpire's uniform. And then, you know, you watch the... The Conor McGregor fight, and you know you got these guys, you know, with the the, the guards, you know, their their trainers rolling in with the crypto on their shirt, and I'm just like, man, we've uh, I I knew this was possible, but now that I'm here and it's it's so trendy, I just doesn't feel as good as when it was this kind of more under the radar sort of sector, and you know, it was kind of our own little niche, and now it's just mm -hmm. it seems like it's gone so mainstream, and I just don't know how to feel about that. I'm totally with you. I understand what you're talking about. Um, so where do we go with that? So it's almost like both things have to happen. You, in order to get the mainstream adoption, you have to get the mainstream adoption. And that's what sponsorships of sports teams would represent to me. When, you, when you've got crypto.com on a sports share, you know, like, well, this is like seriously going mainstream. So what, what's your objection, though? Is your objection, you said it just, it just doesn't feel good that that's the case. It depends why you're in it, I suppose. Well, whether you're in it for profit or for the humanitarian benefits, it's got to get out there, right? Now, this is an investing show, so maybe we should talk about it from that point of view. Um, it's like the when you're in the olden days, like in the 1900s, when, when the guy shining your shoes at the train station is giving you a stock tip, that's the time to sell, right? So is that sort of what you're talking about? Does it feel like we're getting to that point where anybody and everybody's starting to give you, you know, your Uber driver says, oh, I've got this new hot crypto. You go, okay, I think we might be near the top. Is that what you're talking about? I think that's the the sentiment that I'm feeling and that I'm I'm not fully articulating. Uh, but at the same time, we did see a big correction, right? We saw mm -hmm. Bitcoin go to sixty thousand and then crash back to thirty. And mm -hmm. you know, I didn't think that that was the end. I mean, uh, of I think we and and there's so much more to go because the systems in place are still so uh, have so much value that can be transferred in. To crypto, so I, I do believe that from that perspective. But it's interesting too what we're seeing with money flowing to the margins. You know, I, it's funny how Bitcoin was such a speculative asset, if you will, but it's become the gold standard when you compare mm -hmm. it to something like Doge or 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 Shiba Inu, which is now the new hottest crypto. People are calling me up and asking me if they should invest in this, and I'm like, I don't know anything about Shiba um, other than I knew about it when it was really early. And it's not why I, I got into Bitcoin and Ethereum in the first place. I believe in a, a you know, supply and demand uh, situation, mm -hmm. competition to money. 
And I just don't necessarily think some a bunch of people chasing profits in the new hottest crypto is, is serving that same purpose. But I get why they're doing sure. what they're doing because Bitcoin's done so well. Again, money chases, you know, flows to the margins, and we see these type of you know, outperformance in a lot of these smaller sectors. So anyways, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pass it back to you, but yeah, sure. get, talk some sense into me here. You know, what's the, where do we go from here if we already have seemingly mainstream adoption? Okay, sure. So let me just take that last point you just said there. So this is crush the street, right? It's talking about crush Wall Street, beat their performance, beat, right? Beat the institutional investors. So I'd say that if you're in traditional investing, that is a hindrance to understanding and therefore benefiting from crypto paradigm shift, right? Take Shiba Inu, for example. That is not that is not new. So the way I describe this to a stock investor is, okay, that's like a penny stock. Penny stocks are, well, some of them are not even companies. They're rinky-dink, you know, high-risk, highly speculative plays that may not have any fundamentals whatsoever, but people still buy them for the massive upside. Well, so from that, if you use the uh, the paradigm of a penny stock, you might understand things like Dogecoin and Shiba Inu, right? It's 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 all the story. Think about Wolf of Wall Street. They're, they're calling the average Joe Schmo and selling them a story about this magical company that's going to turn into something magical and make them millionaires. That framework of this is, um, this is a, a story that makes people believe it's going to be huge and therefore make them tons of money. That's the same, right? The fact whether it's a penny stock or whether it's a speculative meme coin in crypto matters not. That's just the form it takes. But there's going to be there's going to be that greed within the human being that will always I'm going to call it fall for that if you like. Yeah. Well, and and it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing journey that we've been on. So. But what do we see going forward here? Because, you know, we seemingly have gone mainstream. And I want to say that a lot of the reasons why a lot of us crypto guys got into this in the first place wasn't ideas that I believe the mainstream conventional wisdom would embrace, if that makes sense. Like your your news outlets, your conventional media uh, talking against the Fed or talking against uh, the current monetary system. I mean, these are all ideas that would be that get censored on YouTube. I mean, I know so many of the other mm. affiliates and YouTubes, YouTubers, and those we you know interview and I speak with friends on YouTube. They all talk to me and say, hey, you know, my my you know talks on money printing are getting censored. My talks on hyperinflation or potential hyperinflations are getting you know censored. But yet, that's we are seeing an adoption of crypto, which was birthed out of those you know, almost anarchist ideas, if you will. I, I mean, I'll, that's kind of inflammatory uh, word to describe it. But I mean, if you can just take it with a grain of salt, um, how does that, how do you bridge that gap? Absolutely. So the, the censorship of things like end of Fed and whatever content, well, that's just the existing system protecting itself. And I don't mean that from a, it's not intentional. It's just the way it happens. Um, in any debate, if you challenge an idea I, I have attached to my identity, I'm going to fight you on that. So if you are a fiat economist and you're well-schooled in the whole elastic money supply, central banks, and you know large government power, any challenge to that, which crypto obviously is, it's completely the opposite, it's individual sovereignty, 
just based on that very fundamental opposing idea, you're gonna it's gonna seem like a threat because your entire worldview of the economy is based on things like elastic money supply, centralization of power. And when the opposite of that comes along, of course, it's it's challenging your very the way you see the world. So you're gonna fight it. You know, it's not like a conspiracy or anything like that. It's just the mm-hmm. way it works. Yeah. I feel like you know, Bitcoin. And then, you know, Bitcoin getting introduced to mainstream guys like Elon Musk, uh, Mm -hmm. Jack Dorsey now, I feel like it's opening the eyes to a lot of the things that we've been talking about as as inevitable, you know, problems in the system. And now, you know, mainstream headline just not that long ago was Jack Dorsey talking about hyperinflation. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm surprised he didn't get canceled for that. Um, But who would cancel him? I mean, he's he's Twitter. Uh, And I I'm just it's almost like truth ultimately surfaces in, in the sense, uh, in that eventually you can't fight it. You know I mean? You can try to fight it until it overwhelms, uh, your censorship and, and then you just embrace it and, and own it. Uh, but that's a big deal. And I feel like it's, you know, people haven't been talking about this, but I feel like it's Bitcoin that opened the door for this in so many ways. And it's exposing the system for what it is. Cause so many people now are talking about the dollar is like, ah, you know, I don't know. I should probably hedge against the falling dollar. And, and it's because of crypto. Sure. Absolutely. You've seen that graph where it shows like the devaluation of the dollar over a hundred years. It's typically printed like a dollar bill that's, you know, cut out. Um, the thing is, though, you can say that, and I always talk about this, before I got into crypto, the only way to contrast the fiat system was gold, right? Something with a fixed supply, you know, that you could use as a unit of account instead of using the dollar. Well, this is the beautiful thing about Bitcoin and the fact it doesn't respond to demand. You know, it just um, keeps producing the same amount of Bitcoin every 10 minutes, no matter what. So what does that mean? It means if there's only ever going to be 21 million, I mean, I'm, I'm always far too ahead of the curve which actually is to my detriment because no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. So straight away when I came to Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. So we should we should start valuing all assets in BTC because you can't you can't figure out what anything is worth in dollars, right? Because because the dollar is the is the it's the unit of account. It's what we price everything in. But if you wanted to work out true value, which is the exchange rate between the average US house price and the average secondhand car in the UK, there is an exchange rate there. But you don't do it directly, do you? You do it through a currency. That's what part of a currency. Whereas you still can't really work that out, though, because the currency itself is not, it doesn't have a fixed value. It fluctuates mm-hmm. because of money printing and debt creation. It's all over the place. No one has a clue how many dollars are out there. Whereas if you started with a ground state, 21 million units, right, boom, that's it. That's the base. Now, if we value everything in relation to what proportion of that 21 million it represents, we can actually get somewhere. So there's another project I wanted to do. I registered a domain name, realassetprices.com. And the idea behind that, I haven't built it, was so you could go there and you could type in any asset into like a Google search box. You type in gold, boom. And it would show you the price of gold historically in BTC. And you type in like average US house price index, boom, the average US house price priced in BTC. Why do you have to price it in BTC? Because that's the only way that you'll know that with a real change in value, it's the value of a house against a fixed number, 21 million, right? Whereas you can't do it against dollars because the other side of that ledger, houses versus dollars, is always changing. And that's back to the inflation, hyperinflation argument. 
it's not, I did a, a video recently talking about what was the episode called? It was called, it's not an asset bubble, it's a cash bubble. So I, I talked in that video about hyperinflation is actually a negative cash bubble. So typically you get hyperinflation, asset prices go through the roof, right? Well, you could flip that upside down and say that the currency is, is in a negative bubble. It's like deflationary, you know what I'm saying? So it's not as if house prices are skyrocketing. It's not as if stocks are more valuable than ever before. It's not that at all. It's, it's a mirror image of the fact that the dollar is just the value of it is disappearing into nowhere. That's why I don't think you should use it as a unit of account. If we started pricing everything in BTC, then you'd see the true value of everything and the true inflation. If yeah. house prices were going up in BTC terms, you could say that's, oh, houses are increasing in demand, not the ratio between houses and dollars is changing. Right, 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 right. right. Yes. Yeah. And the nuance to that is, is to not delude ourselves into thinking that there's no value in dollars right now, because, uh, you know, you can use them and purchase mm -hmm. things that will have value. Right. You know, I think a lot of us go, you know, oh, it's like toilet paper, but you know, there's yeah. a real like $10 buys you two gallons of gas, let's just say, True. uh, still in certain areas or more. Um, but and so, I mean, don't think that it doesn't do that now, but do something with it uh, because in the future, because it's a future value. Uh, and I like what you said about uh, Bitcoin as well uh, and pricing things in Bitcoin. But again, it's also like a future projection because a, a lot of us, you know, have had that view for many years, you know, putting our money into gold and silver. And we've watched our purchasing power fall uh, call, since 2011 against gold and silver nominally, uh, and in, you know, in real terms. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nuanced situation and, you know, it's, you have to have, uh, like a, the bigger picture, uh, understanding of this whole thing. Um, so Chris, what, are, what are your thoughts as to why we saw Bitcoin now at, at $60,000? I mean, China just talked about banning all transactions and Bitcoin and, you know, that hit it for a little bit, but then now here we are, you know, Bitcoin over, over 60, what, any short-term reasons as to why we saw this move? Well, there's always some China foot in a bull market, right? And as ever, if, if you're, it depends how many cycles you've been through. So you know, crypto goes through a four year cycle. Typically it depends on how many of those you've been through, because if you've been through more than one of them, you start seeing the same things over and over again. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like in the 2017 parabolic year, it was the same old shtick. China came out, banned Bitcoin. I was like, geez, are we playing, is we like Groundhog Day over it? Like 2021 was almost like, it, it just felt so similar. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why doesn't anyone see this? It almost seems artificial because it's so similar, right? And so if you've been, you've been through one cycle, you fall for it. Oh my goodness. China banning Bitcoin means it's done. Everyone sells, blah, blah, yeah, whatever. And then of course, anyone who knows how Bitcoin mining works and has been in it long enough goes, yeah, whatever. You wait it out. The mining moves to the US. Everything picks back up. Hash rate returns to where it was. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief and everyone starts buying back in again. <laughs> so that was basically the story between April when we hit 62,000. We went down to what was it? May 17th-ish. We hit 30,000, so we went in half, went sideways for a couple of months, and then started going back up again. Now we're back up to 62,000. So all that what, dip, that's worst-case scenario. 
right? What's I mean, worst, worst case, scenario? case scenario? Every country bans it. The U.S. says you can't transact in Bitcoin. You can't withdraw through Coinbase. I mean, I mean, so, absolute worst case scenario. What 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 is your instinct as to what would happen? Okay, it would continue. Um, I can say underground, but it's not like that. It would continue in cyberspace. So the um, the only way you can, if if you really wanted to, to stifle Bitcoin, well, what would you do? You'd have to attack it at the exchange level. You'd have to stop people from converting their US dollars into Bitcoin. And that's what China does because they don't want capital flight. And Bitcoin is just far too convenient to get your money out of the country. So you know, really pinching tight on those on those garden hoses that, that go outside the country uh, is the way to go. Now, if that happened, who cares? Because ultimately, in a world where Bitcoin is the unit of account, you've got a cyclical, what is it called? A circular economy, it's called, where everyone just earns and spends the BTC. And that cyclical economy would continue online no matter what. And get this, because digital goods are on the rise, like you wouldn't believe, that will be the preferential currency. So who will care? No one will care, right? They'll just carry on doing that. And the amount of economic value, which is individuals transacting, if more of that liquidity, let's call it, transactional liquidity is done in BTC, there's nothing you can do about it. People will just stop exchanging it for dollars and just carry on transacting value in it because that's what the economy is. GDP, imagine if that GDP were 50% Bitcoin from person to person that never turned it into dollars. What are you going to do about that? Nothing. Worst case scenario, that is. It's like uh, it's like uh, trying to contain water in your hands. It's, it's Basically, impossible. Yes. Exactly, it is like that. Because you, you, the harder you squeeze it, you end up with nothing in your hand. It's just like that. You close your fist, you've lost it. Yeah, yeah. I I think, and uh, the more we see this, the more resilient we see Bitcoin. The more it just continues to get stronger. Where, exactly. you know, when people were watching Bitcoin go, going to 60, all of a sudden 20 seemed like a deal. And mm. when it was going down, a lot of people were hoping for 20 to buy. All right, well, if it gets back to 20, I'm going to buy in. <laughs> but of course, you know, there's a lot more uh, confidence in the market that people saw 30. There was enough buyers to support it there that it never went that low. Right. And yeah, so it's absolutely. just you as it continues to rise more confidence uh, enters the space and, and you can't compare where Bitcoin's at now to where it was when it was 20,000. And so, you know, people always want what they missed out on, but it's just, it's, we're in a different world. We're in a, it's, you can't, yeah, of course you have more confidence in it now, now that you saw $60,000 Bitcoin, right? Uh, right? So of course you 20, you see 20 as a deal, but you know, maybe you have to have the foresight that 60, is a deal when it might be a hundred in, that's in a short one. order here. So that is a good one. That's um, it's, it's, it's really about being strong in your mind. And um, I guess with that, Chris, maybe close us out here, share some closing thoughts, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what people can learn if they visit your website. And of course, thanks. You, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So I'll, I'll end with a point building on what you just said. It was brilliant. So, what people lack is vision. So technical analysis, what do you do? You look back at the price and look at where it is relative to where it's been. If you know Bitcoin trading at, at, traded at 20,000 and it's currently trading at 10, you go, okay, 
there is a high probability at some point it will double and revisit its all-time high. What happens when it's trading at 19,500 though? You've got a mental block. If you cannot envision it going higher, you're in big trouble. So that's really where your education comes in as a nice segue. If you don't understand blockchain technology, DeFi, and the massive potential and the amount of value this is going to suck up, you that will help you see when you look at the chart, it'll help you to see to the right, the bit that hasn't been printed yet. You'll be able to look at $62,000 Bitcoin relative to where it's likely to go. And then if you're in the million dollar Bitcoin camp 2025 sort of thing, then you go, oh my goodness, instead of looking down from 62,000 going, oh my God, it's a long way down to 20K. I hope that doesn't happen. You sit on 62,000 looking up and going, well, a million dollars is a long way up. And that's the way I see it. I, I don't look down. Right. I don't look down going, oh Christ, what if we lose all this money? I go, we're still only a 20th of the value to a million dollar Bitcoin. So there's still a 20x potential there. And if you look at it like that, it's asymmetrical risk to reward. That's amazing. Chris Coney, everyone. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. And um, you said it, a million dollar uh, potential. So uh, uh, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do. Um, I, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Okay, it's an absolute pleasure.